I love that song. Now this gospel truth of old shall not kneel and shall not faint. Jesus is still saving lives today. As I was singing that song, it's exactly what I was praying for. I wonder what you need today, uh, where you're at in your journey with Jesus. What's going on in your life? I know this week I felt led to preach on rest. Guess what? I didn't get much of this week. Anybody have a guess? Oh, man. Try preaching on rest. Maybe uh, asking the Lord for humility or patience. Don't pray for that. If you pray for that, I know exactly what you're going to get. Something that will develop. (laughs) Patience, humility. Oh, it was a busy week. Maybe you can relate. This time of year always seems to be busy. It's been a crazy time in our church and family and, and work and everything else. But... Jesus did lead me into rest this week. I wrote a whole sermon about the theology of rest, and on Friday, I had to throw it away. There was some great points, you know, I thought so, they probably weren't that great, but I thought, man, this is going to really help the church rest, and I wasn't well rested. And I felt instructed to throw that away and go and rest, and I did. And so today, I'm actually going to share not how to rest uh, with you, but we're going to rest together. And I hope it serves as an example for how you can rest on your own, amen? So maybe in January, maybe in February, we'll talk about a holy Sabbath day of rest, which God does give you. He wants you to set aside one day a week, if you didn't know that, for the purpose of spiritual rest. There's an element of communing with him and one another that's supposed to happen. And there's an element of refraining from your ordinary work, and that's supposed to happen. If you don't know that, you can read all about it, but I don't get to talk about it today. In January or February, maybe we'll talk about sleep. Who likes to sleep, anybody? Sleep is good, sleep is from God, did you know that? I had a verse I was gonna share. He gives sleep to his beloved. Woo! Thank you, Lord. God loves us. He gives us lots of kinds of rest, whether it be a uh, spiritual rest or a physical rest. But you might say, oh, pastor, how do I make sure my soul is well rested? And that's not the same thing as going through the motions of physical rest or obeying God's command to set aside a Sabbath day. And so the Lord led me to Psalm 16. Psalm 16. And there's one verse that symbolizes all of my theology about rest. So if you want to tune out today, if you're online, give me about 60 seconds and you're done. You've heard it all. Here's how it goes. Psalm 16, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You might say, well, the word rest is not even in there. You're correct. In your presence is fullness of joy. You make known to me the path of life. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. This is what rest looks like, church. Resting in the presence of God. Sleep is good and it's of God, but being with Jesus is better. Amen? So would you turn with me to Psalm 16 this morning? We're just going to rest in this passage today as we learn uh, the rest God has for us today. 
You know, when the uh, check engine light comes on in the car, it designates a problem under the hood, right? Some of you have been driving around like that for a long time. <laughs> okay, you got an old car like me, old truck, and that thing just lives, you know. Uh, it just lives on. Um, but when we feel tired, when we're easily angered, when we're quickly frustrated, uh, when we're making bad choices on a regular basis or have a short temper, when we're too busy to get to church or to spend time in worship and prayer, that's like a spiritual check engine light. And so what do we do? Listen to verse 11 again. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What does this mean? Well, the number one cause of tiredness in our lives this morning is when we neglect spending time with Jesus. This is the number one cause of tiredness in your life and in my life today. It sounds like something that might even make us more tired. So I should get to church more. I should wake up earlier and do my devotions. I should, I should, I should, I should. That's not what I'm saying. <clears throat> not spending time with Jesus makes us feel exhausted. It makes life feel overwhelming and heavy. And it makes us feel disconnected from the grace of God. Even if, in fact, we are connected. We don't feel it when we don't spend time with him. So let's pray together. Jesus, I can't make anyone rest, but you're a good shepherd. And you said you would make us lie down. Would you do that this morning? Uniquely, individually, for every single person that hears your word today, including myself, would you make us to lie down in green pastures? Would you make us to be beside still waters in a hectic and tumultuous world? Would you give us the self-discipline to prioritize enjoying you? Would you help us sleep? Would you give us rest? In Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody find Psalm 16 yet? If you find it, go ahead and pull it up. I hope you brought your Bibles or your, your phone with your Bible app on there. I got it downloaded on a new friend that committed her life to Christ last week. The Version Bible app, always recommend. Uh, <clears throat> we're just going to read through Psalm 16 today. But there's only one thing we're going to put on the screen this morning that I care if you remember, aside from God's Word. One thing. And so I've got one slide, right? Uh, let's see that slide. This is, the, this is the only thing I need you to remember today. Anytime I need rest and joy, Jesus is the absolute fulfillment of my need. Anytime I need rest or joy, Jesus is the absolute fulfillment of my need. Can we say it together? Let's do it. Here we go. Anytime I need rest and joy, Jesus is the absolute fulfillment of my need. So what we're going to do, we're going to go verse by verse. I'm going to show you how Jesus led me into rest this week. It's probably nothing profound at all, but I hope it feels restful. So we're going to begin in verse 1. And I've got a question after each verse or two that I'll ask us. What you'll begin to see is that as we read the Word of God... Jesus can illuminate this in a lot of different ways. This is just how he did this for me this week. I'm going to read this chapter in its full and then stop by one verse at a time. Are you ready? 
Okay. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones, in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will, pour, I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol. O let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. It was Moses that by the Spirit of God said in Exodus 33, it was God's words written down. Did you see that? That happened to Rob like three weeks ago. What is the, that was like a fly or something. I don't know, man. Um, Wow, what was I talking about? Rest, I think. It's good, you gotta laugh a little bit. That's a good way to rest too. Getting hit in the head with a fly while you're preaching, that's just great. Um, Moses, yes, Moses, wow. Uh, Moses was quoting the Lord, (laughs) was writing down what the Lord had said. And he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. See, there's no rest like the presence of the Lord. And that's what the psalmist knows here. He's teaching us. So anytime I need rest and joy, Jesus is the absolute fulfillment of my need. Let me show you why. Take a look at verse one again. So again, we're just going to go through the chapter one verse at a time. We're going to go quickly. I'll ask a question after each verse. I say to the Lord, verse one, or excuse me, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. And so ask your soul for a moment the following question, church. Ask your soul, are you finding all your rest in God alone? The psalmist says, in you I take refuge. You might think it's weird to talk to yourself. It'll help you. Ask yourself. Am I finding all my rest in God alone this morning? A little silence is a good thing. Sometimes we don't take refuge in God alone because we don't even stop long enough to realize we need it. Other times, it's because we're taking refuge in something else. Ask yourself, am I finding all my rest in God alone? Verse two, I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. Anybody believe that? This is a hard one sometimes. Could walk you through a lot of passages, but today's about rest. And this is actually a restful thought. Might not seem, it might seem like a theological, you know, oh, no good, or maybe this is some weird verse about telling me I'm I'm bad, now I feel bad about myself. No, I have no good apart from you. Do you believe that you have no good apart from Jesus? Let me tell you why that's restful. If you're done 
trying to earn God's favor, you're in the perfect place to receive it. If you realize every good thing comes from above, then when you need good, you'll look up. But if we think we're still bringing something to the table, this is some kind of negotiation or a judge's set of weights, and we're leaning on to our good works, we're going to get tired. When you realize no one is righteous, no, not one, I have no good apart from you, you are my Lord, then you can rest because he's got it. He's got all the goodness you need. He is good, and he has goodness towards you and for you and in front of you and behind you this morning. Do you believe you have no good apart from Jesus? And I will say to you, church, this is a prerequisite for salvation. Jesus can't save that which is still trying to negotiate. And so if this morning you're wrestling, wondering if your good works are going to add up on some cosmic scale of security for eternal life, I can tell you, you need to lay that down. And I give you an opportunity in a few minutes. Do you believe you have no good apart from Jesus? David certainly did. And in so doing, he called him by the name, my Lord. You're my master. You're the one I'll follow. You're the only one I'll put my trust in. That church is rest. Let's move to verse three. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Now this is good. So we're just looking up all this time, but now we get to look at, look, look, look around for a minute. Look around for a minute. Find somebody near you, just kind of look, you know, stare at them awkwardly. Uh, are you finding delight and fulfillment in being plugged into the family of God? I hope you are. I found a lot more as our family's been growing. The more stories of people I hear and just their journey and uh, how Jesus saved them and what's happening in their life, even getting to share in their burdens. Like, it's a, it's a delight because I realize, man, we're part of something bigger together. And, and God is rounding out this family with different gifts and different stories. And, and I just want to remind you, there's nobody just like you. And nobody can reach people. Jesus wants to reach people through you. And he's not going to reach anybody the same way he would through you. Your story is unique. All the twists and turns and the beauties and the brokenness. And I hope you're finding delight in the household of God, being plugged in. And maybe some of you today say, man, I need to... Go a little bit deeper in relationships. Maybe I need to join a V group. Maybe I need to get on a serve a V team so that I can dial in a little bit more. And I would encourage you towards that because David is able to say the saints in the land, which by the way, do you know you're a saint if you're in Christ Jesus today? I hope you've heard that before. It's in the scripture. Saints aren't stones. Saints aren't just on the other side. Nope. Nope. If you're in Christ Jesus, you're a saint not because of your works. They are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Church, if your restfulness is lacking a little bit, maybe you're doing it alone. If your restfulness is lacking a little bit, maybe you've been serving, but not serving in your place on the team that God's designed you for. If your restfulness is lacking, which to me, it goes hand in hand with joy. I don't know about you, I, I'm happy when I'm well rested. And I'm grumpy when I'm not. You know, 
Uh, I had an old uh, teacher, she used to say, sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Isn't that true? David says all his delight is for the saints in the land. They are the excellent ones. We ought to be able to encourage one another and to praise God for one another for the restfulness we find together. Amen. Verse 4, Psalm 16. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. That's a little gross. Say, what's that all about? This is, uh, some, old, this is some old language here, some old worship practices. And I would sum it up like this. Are you placing your trust anywhere other than in Jesus? What, this is, what David is saying is I'm not going to participate in the worship of other gods because I know that that leads to sorrowfulness. Not only that, but multiplied sorrowfulness, as you can see in the text. He's saying, I'm not even going to utter another possibility than placing all my trust in King Jesus. He's already said, he's my Lord. He's my Lord. He's my refuge. I don't have anything good. And then all the people of God are helping me feel all the glory of God. All the people of God are helping me feel the love of God. And therefore, I'm not going to consider any alternative path. So maybe we're in agreement so far, but you're still hedging your bets a little bit. And David, the Holy Spirit through the psalmist David, would encourage you this morning, are you placing your trust anywhere else other than in Jesus? Let's go to verse five. We're gonna read five and six. I love this verse. It says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Man, this is such a a great scripture. It has a notion of property, a notion of food, and even a notion of communion. A portion implies sharing in something. In the original languages, when the psalmist would use this word, one of my favorite psalms, Psalm 73, talks a lot about this. And I remember uh, hearing from an old uh, professor, they shared with me and said, uh, you know, students, uh, this portion is not like mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving. This portion is the whole platter. It's the whole turkey. It's all the gravy lathered on top, running over. This is all of the grace of God for you. And a portion specifically is not just all of it, but it's all that he entrusts to you. It's all that he wants you to have. Jesus is saying, here's the whole turkey. You're never going to be hungry again. It also suggests this word portion, that which a person is gifted or allotted in life. It is absolutely something you receive. The same goes for the cup. A cup is all that we need to drink, just as the portion is all that we need to eat. What does this mean? Well, the Lord symbolized this bread in the cup, didn't he? cup that Christ shared at the Passover dinner in the Gospels is all that we need for daily sustenance and rest. I was sharing with our staff uh, Monday, uh, Wednesday, from John chapter 6, I am the bread of life. 
I am the manna, not, not me, Jesus speaking, right? I am the, the manna that came down from heaven, he said. And then he said some weird stuff. You've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood in a different gospel. He said, that's disgusting. What is he talking about? I'm saying that in your presence is fullness of joy. If you'll feast upon the word of God, if you'll rest in the presence of Christ, you'll be full of joy. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. And then he goes on and he says, you hold my lot. Now think of property. The lines, the property lines, they've fallen for me in pleasant places. I've got a beautiful inheritance. Can you look out, church, and see what God's entrusted to you? What he's entrusted for you to steward, which is the people of God in the field of God, which is called the church of God. And it's an eternal inheritance. It's an everlasting meal, an inheritance that will never run out. And so here's my question for these two verses. Are you resting in Jesus as your full portion and inheritance in this life and the next? Go ahead and think about your bank account for a minute. Think about where you live, what you drive. Think about your job. Does that stuff stress anybody out? It stresses me out sometimes. That's not what he's talking about here. So throw all that out. Throw all that out. What is my inheritance? What are these pleasant lines that are drawn out? What is my cup? What is my portion? What is my lot? Jesus. Are you resting in Jesus as your full portion and inheritance in this life and the next? I just got a nudge. Uh, like, Somebody doesn't know how to apply that. So I want to do that, but I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, maybe, maybe it makes sense, but you're like, what do I do? Here's what I would instruct you to do. I would say, if you're trusting, if, if you're trusting, resting, trusting, there you go, see? Uh, if you're resting and trusting in Jesus as your full portion and in inheritance, that looks like priorities. It looks like you giving the best of yourself to Jesus first, not last. Not as a last resort, but saying, when I wake up tomorrow, Jesus gets my best. I don't know if you guys know which time of day you work the best. I'm more creative in the mornings, uh, maybe late at night on occasion, but pretty much mornings, and I get sort of this afternoon lull. Guess when I don't spend time with God? In my afternoon lull. Because it's not as good. Other people can have that time. Sorry if we have a meeting in the afternoon. Love you. Uh, Jesus is going to get the best. So if you want to know how to apply this to your life, how are you resting in Jesus as your full portion, find the best of everything you have and give it to him in every area of your life. Let's move along. Verse 7. It says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. What an encouraging word, Amen. Well, I wonder if you're facing difficult decisions today, because that's what he's talking about right here. This psalmist has gone through so many areas of life that cause us stress and eliminate our restfulness. And now he comes to, a one, to, to one that is, is so applicable to our life, to that of making difficult decisions. Well, I've heard from and prayed with, with many of you about these things. Uh, some of you, we've journeyed together longer than others, but... I've heard of all kinds of decisions you're having to make right now. 
Decisions in every area of life. What are we supposed to do? And it says, first, we're to worship. We're to say, God, you've got it. See, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Before you ask the Lord for an answer, we've got to spend time in his presence saying, you have the answer. Because our soul needs reminding who's got it. I have no good apart from you. Guess what? That means I don't have any good decision making apart from you. I trust my mind too much. Maybe you do too. Maybe you trust statistics too much. Maybe you trust your bank account too much. Maybe you trust your health too much. Maybe you trust your ability to get it done a little bit too much. I have no good apart from you, and I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. Okay. So when I remind myself through worship of who God is, we were just singing King of Kings. When I remind myself of who God is, I am changed, and my prayers are very different. And guess what? My decisions are different too. You have the wisdom that I need. Some of you need to say that to the Lord. You have the perspective that I need. You know which way to go. You're in front of me. You're behind me. You're to the left. You're to the right. You're my first reach with my right hand. There's nothing and nobody that I would rather ask first. You give me counsel. And in fact, you gave me the Holy Spirit to live within me, whom you have called the Counselor by name. In fact, King Jesus is called the Wonderful Counselor. And so it's in him that we must fully trust and rely on today for all of our decisions. But here's the thing. I'm preaching about rest, right? Some of you just getting stressed, thinking about you got to spend more time with Jesus. More time? I don't have any more time. I know. I know. Uh, Martin Luther has this famous quote, and it's so good. And he used to have a habit of, of praying two hours a day. Anybody heard this one before? Anybody? I just want to know. Who's, you know, this is good. And he says, I've got so much to do today, I must pray for three hours. It's funny to hear, sort of encouraging, inspiring. It's frustrating to live out. Anybody else agree? I'm a pastor. I can say that. It's frustrating to live out because I trust myself too much, and I don't rest in God enough. That's where the rest is, in his presence. It doesn't mean we sit around not doing anything. It means we're actively, intentionally, continually, daily, afresh, putting our trust in Jesus and recognizing that in his presence, we get counsel. In his presence, we find rest. In his presence, we receive goodness. You might say, well, I don't have time to sit back and spend time with Jesus. I'm too busy. But guess what? David said the same thing. Look back in the text. Verse seven. What time does his heart instruct him? Anybody see it? In the night, in the night. What was he doing late at night? Man, this encourages me. It makes me feel like I'm not crazy, you know? Because sometimes I'll be tossing and turning when I'm supposed to be asleep. Anybody else? I mean, you know? And David was too. He says, in the night also my heart instructs me. I think this is interesting that he says my heart. What is David's heart? Because scripture elsewhere says the heart's deceitful above all else. Don't let that thing advise me. Okay, this is the new heart. This is the spirit inside of you that David is referring to. My heart instructs me. 
The Lord gives me counsel. My heart instructs me late at night. So when I lay down, I don't lay down by myself. So it doesn't matter who you lay down beside in body. The Lord is with you, and he can speak to you through your heart late at night, early in the morning. When you're wrestling and everything's keeping you awake, you say, Jesus, I need help. I need some counsel. I've set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand. He's the first grab. He's the first place I look to for help. Not an option. He's right there. So I shall not be shaken. He begins and he ends this sentence with worship. I will bless the Lord. I will not be shaken. I will bless the Lord. I will not be shaken. All the struggles in the middle. And I would encourage you, if you want to apply this to your life, next time you talk to God, hopefully pretty soon, you'll start out by reminding God why you, you love him, who he is. Tell him who he is. That might sound weird. Say, why would I tell God who he is? Because don't you love to be affirmed? Don't you love it when someone tells you what they love about you? Don't you love it when someone reminds you who you are and why you're so valuable in the friendship with them? So does God. But it changes us. So at the end of our time with him, we can say, I will not be shaken. I have been encouraged all the more as my soul has spent time in the presence of God that I remember it's not just who he is. I'll bless the Lord. He's good at all times. Like It's not just who he is. It's also what he does. The effect that the time in worship has upon us. So by the end, he's not just saying, bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's saying, I'm standing somewhere different than I thought I was. I dwell more secure than the decisions in front of me would denote. I'm not going to be shaken. And some of you just need to go spend time with him. Sometimes we stop short of feeling rest because we're too busy to enjoy the restful presence of the pace of God. So I want to ask you one question before we go to our last couple verses. Are you waiting in the presence of God until he instructs you? Are you waiting in the presence of God until he instructs you? Some of you right now wish I would speed up. Am I wrong? Waiting's hard. It's so awkward to hold a microphone and not talk. And look at all you guys and know you wish I'd speed up. It's hilarious, actually. It's sort of torturous, you know, if you think of it. It's, we could go home sooner. We could get to lunch sooner. That sounds amazing. Waiting's hard. And if I don't stop right now, I wonder if it won't help you stop later. Are you waiting in the presence of God until he instructs you? Sometimes it takes time, doesn't it? Anybody ask God for something and you had to ask him a second time? 
and a third and a fourth, and you sat there and you wondered, is anybody out there? I've been saying the same thing. It's so much easier to call someone you trust and ask them what they think than to ask God what to do. But you're not going to get the same answer. In the night, God can instruct me through my heart that has been communing with him throughout the day. And sometimes he wakes me up the next day and he'll tell me. And sometimes it's the next week and the next month. And sometimes it's been the next year. You know God put it on Lexi and I's heart to plant a church 11 years ago. 11. Pittsburgh didn't come up till 2019. You know how frustrating that was? I'm sure you can relate. It's just other stuff, right? Are you waiting in the presence of God until he instructs you? Psalm 16, verse 9 and 10. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your holy ones see corruption. What an encouraging word. But when... We do stop and rest in the presence of God. Therefore, remember last week? What's it there for? Therefore, our hearts will be glad. If you'll rest, therefore, you're going to get a renewed sense of joy. I told you I wasn't going to tell you anything to do this month, but I have to take it back. Go spend time with Jesus. Same thing as last week, because I want you to experience the fullness of the vitality of a person that's walking hand in hand with your savior and redeemer and creator, your Lord and master, the one who's got your back at all times, the one who only has goodness planned for you, the one who overflows with riches of grace, riches of mercy, abundance, unmeasurable love. I want you close to him because when you are, you're a different person. I wanna be there too, it's why I had to throw my sermon away. All I would have done is teach you about rest. And now we're just going to sit here and wonder when we can go to lunch because we're waiting in the presence of God. Therefore, my heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh dwells secure. Look at all these remembrances. But this is real life transformation. So how do I change? How do I change? What do I need to learn? What habits do I need to adopt? All good questions and that stuff. We change in the presence of God. Therefore, these things result naturally from being in the one who says in your presence is fullness of joy. But this is not just a matter of physical restfulness. And it's not even a matter of daily spiritual restfulness. It's actually a permanent state of rest for your soul. Now this is very important, church. Very important. You will not abandon my soul You will not abandon my soul. You can go to church your whole life and never have rest for your soul. I promise you. You can do religion your whole life and never find rest for your soul. You can try to obey God's commands, do good works, Be sacrificially generous with your time and talents and treasures. And at the end of the day, religion can sometimes be about work 
instead of what Jesus worked for us upon the cross. We are to be the most restful people on the planet. We also are going to work very hard as a church next year. These two coincide beautifully. But we don't work so that we can retire and rest. We work from a place of restfulness. We take care of our souls. We watch over ourselves to make sure we're communing with Jesus well and therefore we have a cup that is overflowing and ready to pour out when we work. But if we don't take care of our souls by giving Jesus the first and best of ourselves, we're gonna run on empty. Jesus here teaches us he will not abandon our soul. When we stop and consider that fact, the really busy, tiresome days might change in our minds, right? You think, I'm really tired today. I didn't sleep so good last night. I'm, I'm, I'm online right now because it was really hard to wake up today, you know? But you say, okay, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do anything today. I can endure anything, any pain, any problem, any difficulty in my life because God is holding my soul. And as a result of that, I can be tired today. Sometimes you'll still be tossing and turning at night. I don't want to overpromise. Sometimes sleep is still fleeting. Sometimes rest is still hard to come by. But there's a deeper level rest where you say, I'm not worried about my soul. Don't fear those who can take away the body, but not touch your soul, as Jesus says. So I want to ask you this question. Is your heart glad and your whole soul rejoicing because of the security you have in Jesus? Rest and joy all together, right? I've asked you the same question like 10 times, just in different ways. You spending time with Jesus or what? You know? We come to our last verse here, verse 11. It says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Woo! I love this verse. I love this verse. As we look at this and consider what we're actually experiencing, look at the transition in David's prayer between verse 1 and verse 11. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Well, thank God that he can handle our uh-oh prayer request, you know? Our, oh no, I'm in a mess prayer request. But by the end of your time, in the presence of this one, you'll be able to say, you've made known to me the path of life. I'm not worried about decisions anymore. You counsel me in the morning and at night and all in between. You took care of the fact that I don't have anything good to give to you. You took away my thoughts about putting any other faith anywhere else in anyone else. You have taken care of everything that I needed. You may know to me the path of life. Not only that, but you've changed my very heart because in your presence 
I've found the fullness of joy. And not only that, there's more ahead. It's not just about what I've got today. I'm looking down the road and I'm realizing that in your hand, you hold pleasures forevermore. Where I'm going is better than where I'm at because of who I'm with. And so where I'm going, it doesn't even matter all the stuff and the bumps along the way and all the sleepless nights and the tossing and the turning and the problems. When I don't feel rested, it's for one reason only, and it's that I haven't spent time with Jesus. And if we do spend time with Jesus, this will always be the result. So are you experiencing the fullness of joy and rest that Jesus has called you into? Sometimes you just got to like, go ahead and go that with me. In. Oh, man. There's only one thing I want you to remember today. Anytime I need rest and joy, Jesus is the absolute fulfillment of my need. I'm going to invite some friends up here in the band Come on up, guys. Uh, Just a little response team ready to pray with you as we sing together. And I want to ask these questions one more time. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the word of God. The four of you would just distribute yourselves however you see fit down the front here. If any of us were conflicted in our answers to Psalm 16 today, I want to encourage you and say today is an opportunity to take a next step with Jesus. Amen? Today is an opportunity to reap the rewards of the presence of God. Today is an opportunity not to walk out sad, not to walk out discouraged, not to walk out tired, but to walk out with a fresh hope and purpose for your life. A fresh pep in your step put there by the very presence of God, and it will come through prayer. When we tell a brother or sister, the ones in whom is all of our delight, see, I'm struggling. That is an opportunity for a bold move of God in your life. Don't miss the blessing because it's intimidating. Don't miss the blessing because you wonder what anybody will think. Let me just tell you, this pastor needs prayer more than anybody that I know. I don't mean that to be selfish. I mean, I need it. Because I'm different when people pray with me and pray for me. And you are too. So don't shy away from it. Lean in. Receive the blessing. I'm going to ask these questions one more time as you consider, what do I need to do to respond to the word of God today? Would you stand up to your feet? This is an opportunity to let weight fall off of our shoulders, to fall upon the cross of Jesus Christ, to experience his restful resolve that his resurrection brings. But you can't be resurrected unless you're willing to go to his grave first. You got to throw yourself upon the mercies of God, admitting, I don't have anything good except for Jesus. And because of that, I'm not coming up to negotiate a better deal in life. I'm coming up to receive a new one. I'm done with the old one. It's not restful anymore. I'm going to fall upon the cross of Christ and say, it's only in Jesus that all of my hope is, that all of my peace is, that all of my rest is. Here's the questions from the word of God one more time before we come up for prayer. Close your eyes with me.
Jesus, help us see our illuminated heart by the power of your spirit today. He is the counselor, the revealer of what's going on inside of us, more so than we even recognize. May he speak right now. May you ask us these questions right now. Are you finding all your rest in God alone? Do you believe you have no good apart from Jesus? Are you finding delight and fulfillment in being plugged into the family of God? Are you placing your trust anywhere else other than in Jesus? Are you resting in Jesus as your full portion and inheritance in this life and the next? Are you waiting in the presence of God until he instructs you? Is your heart glad and your whole soul rejoicing because of the security you have in Jesus? Are you experiencing the fullness of joy and rest that Jesus has called you into? Are you ready to rest? Will you give your heaviness to the only one who can take it once and for all? If you want the path to life, if you want the fullness of joy, if you want the pleasures forevermore, come forward to pray and receive afresh the presence of God in Christ Jesus. He is the absolute fulfillment of our need. It's in his name we pray. Amen.